Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast. In your week in IndyCar guest episode, here it is, March 4th. And who do we have? The greatest of all time. Mario Andretti launched the podcast. Kind enough to help me. Episode number one, our man, Mario. And we've had him on a number of times talking about a variety of things since we kicked off this little podcast party in 2016. But this is his first week in IndyCar appearance, I seem to think. Please correct me if I'm wrong. We had a blast, had about 30, 35 minutes or so. Got into a bunch of great questions. This show driven by you, all listener driven. Supported by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com and Bell Racing Helmets USA. There's some good stuff in there. One of our regular, regular listeners who also has come out to a couple of our live shows, he was uh, celebrated by Mario for his question about halfway through, so I won't spoil the party. Hopefully you'll enjoy hearing your name when you get there. And we close on one of our favorite topics, Uncle Bobby, Bobby Unser, and just some great laughs about our man, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Unser. So fun stuff as usual with Mario and gracious of him as always to take some time. Going to get to the show here very quickly. We'll mention, had to shuffle our guest list, a scheduling change with our uh, Craig Hampson, our pal. Uh, so hopefully have him on sometime here in the near future. Season is starting, obviously in a little over a week so that we'll try and get to we will have a certain someone for next week's show mario was meant to be our guest next week kind enough to move up a week to fill the slot and so who's gonna fill mario's well i'm hoping you're gonna like this one as well start getting your thoughts and questions together when i put out the call for questions on twitter and facebook the marshall pro podcast facebook page and also the Reddit IndyCar page. IndyCar CEO Mark Miles will be joining us next week. I think it's been a little over a year, maybe, since Mark was on the week in IndyCar. Could be even longer than that. I don't know. But uh, he and I spoke last night, had a good quick catch-up. Been a little while. And so we'll have our man Mark Miles. So lots of great stuff we will cover. And he tends to be pretty open and transparent with us which isn't always the case with someone in charge of a major motor racing series. A couple other quick items here. Jimmy Johnson confirmed today he will be testing for Aero McLaren SP at some point next month. So that is great. Finished the listener Q&A podcast this morning, which went up. And one of the early questions in that was, what do you think about Jimmy Johnson and what are the odds? And did mention that, well, he was at Circuit of the Americas here last month as a guest of McLaren CEO Zach Brown. Gave him a NASCAR Cup helmet of his as a gift. So not a big surprise that indeed, Mr. Seven-Time Jimmy Johnson will be doing his first laps in a McLaren Aero SP. We do shuffle up the letters there, right? Uh, we could say SP McLaren Aero, or we could also use the most common acronym that our listener Jim Johnstone came up with. Spam! SP Aero McLaren. So we will have JJ 
in the spam chevy coming up sometime next month at barber motorsports park uh what else spoke yesterday with max chilton after he went fastest at the final day of sebring preseason testing in his carlin racing entry good to catch up with max saved a lot of that conversation for a story i'll post next week but he's in a good place really good place also spoke with felipe nazar yesterday and the day before when he was fastest for the carlin team there's something there Uh, i think there's some really strong potential between a felipe and max lineup just don't know if that's what it will be i keep hearing that felipe could be in the car for saint pete maybe only i know that they're looking for someone with funding to climb into the number 31 carlin racing chevy felipe certainly not that guy not a guy that's bringing money with him these days so we'll see what happens max mentioned that there are a couple of drivers being considered would have to wonder who it would be if it wasn't felipe must be if they're really looking at one or two others someone that has indycar experience because i really would not foresee indycar giving the green light to a person who's never tested and might be a question mark as to whether they would fit in on the grid another quick note a swiss driver by the name of ralph boshung was meant to drive the number 31 at sebring heard from a couple of folks that not only did ralph's funding last year in formula two dry up a bit which led him to do a half season but also heard there may have been some similar troubles with paying for the test uh, coming to fruition not saying that's a fact just heard it from a couple of pretty smart folks so regardless if this means that a super talented guy like felipe nazar at least has a really good shot of getting into indycar boy uh, i think folks are the folks who might be needing to fill slots next year or the year after i hope they get a chance to see him and what he is all about last quick note for you just closed february looking at traffic need to thank you (laughs) certainly need to thank you so last year just looking at metrics last year a year-to-year comparison from 2018 to 2019, we had a 21.2% increase in traffic for the month of February. Now that we just closed February of 2020, I can tell you that year-to-year 2019 to 2020, we had a 64.9% increase in traffic. So that's ridiculous. And I thank you for that ridiculousness january as well uh i think i'm looking here just to confirm the all-time year-to-year spike in traffic so from 2018 to 2019 in january we had a 26.7 spike in traffic so those are huge numbers i mean seriously you're you're hoping to get a high single digit year-to-year improvement the fact that we did 26 percent uh coming out of january 2019 that's amazing 21 percent the following month well in january of this year <laughs> we had 145.5 percent increase in traffic over january 2019 and follow following that up as i stumble with the words coming out of my mouth in january 
with call it 65 percent increase so it scares me a little bit because i don't know if it's sustainable but dang it i just want to say thank you to you all because man this this traffic and the response to what we're doing seeing that every episode just about every episode has some sort of meaningful increase in traffic over what it would have done the previous year uh boy just again thank you thank you and thank you once more uh last quick note here i'll just mention this again we do this fun thing in the listener q a show which i hope you're listening to actually i know you are because that's turned out to be our most popular weekly offering we do this thing where for those who submit their questions on the mp podcast facebook page when i put out the weekly call for questions the person whose question got the most likes from last week well we send them some free stuff courtesy of torontomotorsports.com so we just urge you if you listen to our weekly guest show maybe haven't listened to the listener q a show that much if you like free stuff and you ask great questions and they get a lot of likes on the facebook page for what we do here well we send you free stuff it's usually a t-shirt uh beer koozies as well that's something that uh, we've been sending lately courtesy again of our pals at torontomotorsports.com uh, saw some photos posted by last week's winner uh jeremy davis who i really appreciate all that you do jeremy and helping to spread the gospel of our little show here and it was a whole bunch of stickers a weekend indycar t-shirt and a hamburger and french fry show beer koozie so if you want to get in on some of that stuff get some freebies the mp podcast facebook page in the weekly call that i send out for our listener q a show that's the place to get it all right let's go get all the awesome awesome stuff from about 30 35 minutes with the greatest of all time and i won't back down on that i know just about everybody has their own choice for greatest of all time mine's mario i am not backing down off that at all and thanks to him for adjusting his schedule to accommodate us and pay his very first visit to the weekend indycar guest show brought to you by cooper tires the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com and bell racing helmets usa mario it's always a pleasure to have you on the show thanks for taking some time my friend my pleasure always marshall well let's get going here because i know we we have about a half hour or so and i want to get in as many good ones as possible so why don't we start with simon alexander says mario you recently announced you're going to be a special guest at this summer's goodwood festival of speed in my home country of england simon says i see you'll be reunited with many of your competition cars from throughout your career. So with so many of them in one place, are there any, is there one or a couple that you're really hoping to take up the famous hill? Well, I, I have no idea exactly all of what they're going to have there. So I don't want to express myself and say, okay, I would like to have that car when it's not going to be there. So, um, I'm going to have to uh, see what they confirm because they're trying very hard, obviously, to get as many cars that uh, have some meaning in my career as possible. But uh, uh, I think um, 
whatever they come up with, I'm sure it'll be interesting enough, you know, for me to get a taste of it again. Uh, but um, overall, I'm, I feel very, uh, very honored that they're doing this. Uh, uh, the versatility aspect of my career is very important to me, and I think that's really what uh, they're featuring there. And, and uh, again, yeah, I truly look forward to that event again. Yeah, uh, and again because I've been there before. Sure. Well, what I'm looking forward to is the footage of you going up the hill, because unlike some folks who are honored and invited and go up the hill in something a bit slow and wave to the fans, I'm seeing sideways moments. I'm seeing smoke pouring off of rear tires and you doing your normal thing. So uh, th- it looks like a lot of fun. Well, we'll at least do a burnout for sure. See, that's the spirit. Let's go to uh, Jordan Darwin. This is Mario do you know if they're putting an aero screen on the two-seater and asks if you'll be driving again in 2020? And that might even open a bigger topic of if you have any thoughts on the aero screen. Well, I don't think there'll be an aero screen on a two-seater. Um, I think uh, a lot of the reason for that is uh, when you have other cars around you and and the potential of uh, what we have seen in the past. You know, uh, you get together with another car and the car just got the pulting over you. You know things like that, but um, you know with one off, uh, one car at a time, basically, uh, and not um, racing with each other. I think it, uh, it doesn't pose those type of dangers. So uh, we don't need an air screen on ours. What about those that are coming into the season in IndyCar? Are you a fan of this safety development? I'm always a fan of safety developments. I've been uh, from the very beginning when we. Uh, actually organized even in Formula One with the GPDA. And uh, uh, and all along, it's been always uh, the drivers' uh, groups that uh, have been pushing for that. Uh, there's, uh, you know, uh, safety, I think, should be paramount. I think uh, uh, we want to avoid uh, uh, all of the possible negatives of the sport. The sport, as we know, uh, can be cruel, and uh, we try to uh, curtail that aspect as much as possible. Uh, the fact that, you know, still, no matter what we do, it still will be exciting. But um, I always said, as drivers, uh, we want to have uh, uh, every opportunity, if something happens, to still race another day. And uh, and that's what's happening. And, and uh, kudos to the sanctioning bodies to always come up with... Uh, uh, more solutions, you know, to uh, to improve the safety and and uh, the safety aspect of our sport should be con- uh, worked in progress. You never really arrived, uh, uh, you know. You never uh, you never will say, okay, we have everything we can do, uh, and that that is a good thing. Got a couple questions here, Mario, from folks who have a deep affinity for our late friend, the amazing John Andretti. Uh, Jack Homan has a question. Uh, Ed, gentleman, Ed has a question. A lot of them's just centering on. Do you have any favorite racing memories about your late nephew? Because boy, he sure did a lot of racing and did very well in those racing series. Well, you know, I can say clearly the favorite um, racing memory I have with him. I mean, there are a couple of them. One, uh, we were on podium together. You know, in 1991 and in Milwaukee when 
Michael won and he was second. I was third. I was actually pissed that I was third, but uh, <laughs> but it was still nice to be up there with it, <laughs> with two kids, with two of my kids. And um, uh, as you can see, I consider, you know, John my kid as well. Yeah. You know, he's my nephew. But uh, nevertheless, it's family. And then uh, for the three of us, actually, to race at 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1998 for a factory Porsche uh, was also another, to me, uh, memorable and, uh, and a very precious event uh, that, that will remain with me forever. You know, so, um, and, you know, John was always, um, you know, the one of the members of the family that uh, they do a Whenever we would talk, we could solve all the problems of motor racing around the world. So he was very opinionated and very much in the know of everything that was going on. And, um, you know, being a close family again, you know, we're just we're going to miss him. We're missing him so tremendously. You know, there's uh, no question about it. I remember John telling me about uh, some family quotes about uh, just you you all being so competitive, even just, you know, together on the lake, something about he who gets hurt first wins or something, and uh, <laughs> boat racing, and just something where I have this mental image of you might be in the backyard with a family cookout, but darn it, there is going to be some sort of competition to determine who is first in something. It just sounds, you know, everything we know about the Andretti family uh, in every scenario. Uh, Ryan Terpster also asks, Mario, since racing is a competition, who do you think raced more cars and in more variety of things, you or your nephew, John? And I had to think about that one, and I don't know who might have done more because the two of you really are kind of at the leading edge of that across all sports. Well, that's interesting because... Uh you know, I raced uh, midgets and sprint cars and all that, and so did he. Um, I, uh, I, he didn't race. I don't. I, I don't think he ever raced in Formula One. I know no. he didn't, uh, but I never did uh, top fuel. You know, so <laughs> you know, it's just uh, somewhere along the line. Um, let's see. Uh, he did sports cars. Um, why he didn't do Can Am? I guess I was. Uh, he actually uh, did. Believe it or not, it and granted, this wasn't the Can Am you and I think of the the crazy original days. But in the early '80s, when they kind of went to the single seaters and they put fenders on them, and at oh, least okay. technically so it was called go. the Can Am yeah. series. But what do I know? Well, no, but I mean, he raced so many crazy things. But you guys both, you know, NASCAR, IndyCar, uh, Proto GTP. You know, it is. I tell you, if yeah. we tr- if we added up how many races the two of you did, I don't know. We might get to four digits. That's uh, that's. No, an- that's interesting. Like I guess we 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 often discuss that, and then uh, I was very curious about uh, what uh, you know Top Fuel felt like and all of that. I mean, he <clears throat> you know he uh, he reached uh, almost three hundred, two ninety nine something. Uh, so that was quite a, you know, I was, uh, we were jealous, you know, that we never, Mike and I and Jeff, you know, that we never got that opportunity, but, um, I, I did, uh, I did one exhibition, uh, uh, racing 1968 in, uh, Hartford, Connecticut with a task of Ford and, um, and I beat the national champion like, uh, three out of five runs. 
Um, <laughs> uh, it's the, it's but just that was insane. Super stock or something like that, yeah. We're, but it's still a new discipline, right? It's still yet another discipline to have to master. Ah, that's a beautiful thing. Let's go. Um, let's go to an interesting question we got here, Mario from Ryan Gerald. He says, Mario, uh, I'm a mental health professional, and I've always been fascinated by a driver's ability to remain resilient and motivated in the midst of intense pressure or adversity. And he asks, being in the sport as long as you have. So he's wondering if you could comment on your observations of this resilience in your own career, maybe your family, and you guys have had a lot of ups and downs, yet you all seem to show up with such a positive spirit each year. He says it's really a great motivator in his own life. So curious about that, Mario, keeping your mind in the right place. Has that been an effort you've done intentionally? Have you just, has that just been part of your DNA? Curious how you keep the lows from getting too low and the highs from getting too high? Well, uh, I think the bottom line is I can only speak for myself on all of it. I was, uh, I was first and foremost just driven by pure, pure love and passion, you know, for, for, for the sport, for driving a racing car. And, uh, you know, aware of uh, the, the, the potential uh, downfalls, the potential dangers. I mean, uh, you know, our family has been affected some ways, you know, and that, you know, when my, you know, my, well, uh, my, uh, my Aldo, you know, uh, uh, my, and then, uh, my son, Jeff also, you know, had, sure. had extensive injuries and all that. Um, but, um, the bottom line though is, uh, I always felt that, uh, uh, I accepted, uh, the risk factor you know, for, I, to, as they always say, risk reward. And, um, and I, um, and I could not picture myself doing anything else and have, uh, any satisfaction in my life. And, uh, that's really how I looked at it. Um, um, I mean, it, uh, a lot of people say, well, how, how can you just, you know, uh, how do you, do you function, you know, when you're facing uh, potential dangers like that? Well, you don't dwell on that. You know, and um, and again, you have to feel confident in yourself that uh, you're not going to, and I always felt that I'm not going to make that mistake, you know, that's going to actually do me in. But uh, I was also willing to take, uh, you know, the, the risk of uh, being caught up in somebody else's mistake or even worse, uh, equipment failure, which, uh, you know, has you know, it resulted in some injuries throughout my career. But uh, overall, I've been very fortunate and um, take nothing for granted. I always say that's why I count my blessings every day. Uh, but um, I cannot think of anything, any other profession uh, on this planet that I could have undertaken that has given me the satisfaction that uh, motorsports have given me. Mm. Here's a question from George Martin that I love because the gentleman he's asking about is someone who I grew up just uh, fascinated by. George says, Mario, I watched an old YouTube video today of you battling with Gilles Villeneuve at Brands Hatch in the 1979 Race of Champions. What are your memories of Gilles and how did you rate him as a driver? 
I, I love Joe Villeneuve. Uh, um, he's uh, the reason is because he he was just such a pure racer. You know, he just let it all hang out, and uh, and he was a fun guy. You know, like uh, you could bang wheels and so on and so forth. And later on, we just laugh about it. You know, not everybody is like that. You know, and um, and again, I, I I know that I had a a really a good race with him, the '78 uh, Italian Grand Prix, where um, we both got penalized for jumping the start. And uh, I I thought that I drove the best race of my career, you know, and that and then I won it, you know, but they penalized us both a minute for allegedly, but he. He did jump to start. I know he's not here to defend himself. He, he jumped to start, and I reacted, and I held, and then, and, you know, when it went green, I went, and he was already almost in turn one. Yeah. But, uh, and as you came, but uh, the bottom line is I drove so hard, and, uh, and you know, obviously I, I was behind him for so long, and I had some brake problems. And just, I mean, the last lap, I just going into the Ascari chicane. I just figured this is it. Do or die. And I just dove under him. And uh, and he just, it could have been a disaster. But he gave me just enough room that we made it through. We didn't touch. And uh, then we laughed about it later on. But then uh, we stopped laughing when they penalized mm. <laughs> You know, and, uh, and Nicky Lauda, the, I guess the... Well, they gave the race to Nicky. He was like uh, almost a minute behind us. <laughs> you know, one of the things I appreciated, Mario, was your your ability to look at a young gun like Gilles, like Gilles and appreciate him. Because I remember, I think it was after the uh, 79 race at Dijon, France, famous race where he and Rene Arnoux are just you know, banging, looking like it was a stock car race at Riverside. I remember but, that, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had this amazing quote because I guess some of the media was trying to chastise these two guys. And you you had a quote which was basically, nah, these are just a couple of young lions pawing at each other. I just thought it was such a beautiful framing of the situation of, isn't this why we're here to watch this kind of stuff? Isn't, you know, respect them for the talent and memories they just created. Don't try and get them to dial it down. Uh, I just always appreciated the fact that you looked at someone like Gilles, who some might have thought was crazy, but you said, no, that guy's got the right stuff. You know, there's a very good reason why uh, Enzo Ferrari loved Gilles Villeneuve. He just purely loved that man because Enzo Ferrari was, uh, you know, a racer through and through himself, you know, uh, in every way. That's all he lived for. And uh, he just loved the commitment that, uh, and the fact that he, uh, Jill was 10 tenths. He didn't care when Jill came back with a steering wheel in his hands, you know. He said he'd just go for it. And um, like I said, there's a reason why he loved that man. And uh, and again, he left the mark. He uh he never not won a world championship, but he was in, uh, he was a champion in, in all of our eyes, in my opinion, anyway, uh, because of what he gave to the sport and the way that the, the thrills that he created, uh, that he gave the fans over the years that he was active. Mm, just beautiful. Let's go to a fun question from Duncan. Now, 
we're coming up the 19th anniversary of the movie Driven, the Sylvester Stallone movie. And I'm gonna, probably, Mario, going to do some sort of feature on it because it doesn't deserve a, a celebration on the 20th anniversary because it was so bad. But Duncan asks, has the Honorable Mario Andretti ever seen the movie Driven? And do you have any opinions on it? I, I remember seeing it. You know, I did see it once, you know. Uh, and um, I re- just remember, you know, some of those uh, spectacular videos, I mean, of the cars flying in the air and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, the, the, the reality of it all is uh, as racers to ask us to, to critique a racing movie uh, you sh- you never should because um, you know we <laughs> I, I I go you know if, I think the reality is spectacular enough and I don't think you have to really camouflage it anymore mm. and some of the racing movies they they try to overdo it and which is uh, totally unrealistic so uh, it is what it is as I say you know I always um, avoid just. Uh, uh, being the one to, to express myself, you know, because again, you know, it's uh, Hollywood is Hollywood. It's fine. Go and see you the know, real but, thing. Uh, but don't ask us to, uh, don't ask a guy like myself, you know, to critique <laughs> a racing movie. That's the biggest problem. Let's go to our pal, Jerry Sudduth, who says, Mr. Andretti, could you describe what it was like going between tracks, like say spa and Monza one day, to Sacramento or Salem the next says, how did that help improve you as a driver? And I do love that question, Mario, because it does speak to the versatility of having to play with massively different toys, sometimes just one day after the other and having to adjust your mind to the versatility of that task. What was that like? Since we really don't see many drivers doing this kind of big jumps from series to series today. That's the best question of the day for me because, um, uh, quite honestly, that's what I really, really loved. Uh, loved that opportunity to be able to uh, to go and uh, and try to master uh, the, the disciplines that are so different, and yet there's so many things that are the same. I'll give you, for instance, I feel that um, uh, what gave me uh, some of the skills that I field that I had on, on the wet tracks where I think I had some decent success is that uh, uh, I came from the dirt tracks mm. because uh, what the similarity is is simply this. Uh, on, on a wet track, almost every lap is different. The track just begins to dry or begin or this and that or because, you know, every lap with so many cars running, uh, you know, the, the aquaplaning areas, you know, could be different. You're always searching for a grip, you know, as conditions change. And that's what you do on the dirt. The same way, and you learn how to really modulate the throttle to be able to get the maximum grip and everything. So, again, uh, I, I credit dirt track racing for teaching me how to deal with uh, wet conditions on the road courses. And, um, but again, overall, I always felt that uh, driving different cars uh, gave me the ability to, to, uh, to, to, to learn to compensate, you know, to uh, compensate for the behavior of different cars. That always, uh, I think, uh, it helped me in many situations. 
you know, just to uh, how to deal with it, how to maximize a probably uh, a marginal situation to get the most out of out of the car and things like that. So, uh, but again, um, I had no no chance in the world throughout my career, as long as it was, to ever ever be bored because of uh, I gave myself the opportunity to really explore our beautiful sport, you know, in the top categories, and. Um, and again, uh, just and uh, thrive on that. I don't know if folks will ever fully appreciate, be able to fully appreciate Mario, the fact that folks like yourself, Dan Gurney, Parnelli, AJ, and many others did the equivalent in motor racing of hitting a home run one day to win the game, uh, throwing multiple touchdowns the next day to win those games. Uh, hitting three-point shots and dunking on people the next day to win that, uh, and so on. The fact that, yes, it is motor racing. These are vehicles with four wheels, but they are so different and required such different forms of discipline and talent to get the most out of them. To be able to go from off-road racing to circle track racing, dirt, pavement, you name it, road racing, street racing, win be champions yeah just a different different breed so thank you for that question jerry a little bit of a similar one here just more on the technical side as we get down to the last couple of questions this comes from kyle ballard who says mario we constantly hear modern drivers talk about their relationships with crew chiefs and engineers says he's curious when you are going to such a wide variety of tracks in different cars different countries different teams was it hard for you to have a relationship with crew chiefs and engineers and build as close a bonds, knowing that you were having to move around so much? It's curious if those bonds were as crucial when you were doing such diverse racing, or if you had to be a little bit like your own crew chief and engineer. Well, uh, here again, uh, I think you react to every situation based on what, what is given you. I mean, uh, uh, obviously, there's always uh, uh, one engineer that probably understands uh, your input better than others. Uh, a lot of it, however, is uh, out of respect, you know, to really um, uh, have uh, engineers uh, uh, believe, you know, what you're, you know, what you're telling them. It's the same as uh, a patient going to a doctor, you know, like. Uh, uh, you can go to a doctor office and ask, okay, what, what, what's happening? What's wrong? He said, hey, doc, I'm sick. you got to fix me up. Well, where the hell does he start? You mm. know what I mean? It, uh, where do you start? But if you go in there and you specify, you give as much detail as to what's happening, and then that individual, that uh, engineer trusts you, then you get things done. Uh, again, you know, Different uh, categories, you have different opportunities to really do a lot of work. Other disciplines, you go there, and um, like sometimes sports cars, and you got what you got because you have multiple drivers, and you can, um, you know, come to terms as far as uh, how you like the car balance. And after that, you just adapt. You know, so there are many different things that you're dealing with. But, uh, again, these are all challenges that uh, are out there, and you make the best of it. And not everything is always perfect. Uh, there are many times you figure, oh, gosh, if we could have done this and that, you know, uh, we would have done better. Uh, 
Um, and then uh, and then you find that whenever you win, everything was done the way it should be. <laughs> you know, so yeah. uh, you know that that's really the way it works. But um, again, uh, you know, it's a good question too. Whenever you're exposed to different discipline, a lot of different individuals, um, uh, I can tell you one thing: you get to appreciate the really good ones. I can tell you that. Amen to uh, that. Yeah. So. Um, but um, yeah, that's that's all part of it. That's all part of the experiment, if you will, um, or just uh, being to satisfied even your curiosity. But I feel whenever you're exposed to so many different um, aspects of of the sport, you're always learning. You're just learning something that ultimately uh, benefits your dimension, if you will. And um, that's what I got out of it, uh, clearly. Three questions to go. We're going to start with one that you and I spoke about a couple years ago and did a little story on. I was fortunate to see you do this. This comes from Todd Murray. It says, Mario, what are your memories of sampling that Yamaha 500cc MotoGP bike back at Laguna Seca? What was that, 91, 92 or so? You were flying on that thing, by the way. Well, uh only, they only gave me about four laps or four or five laps, but uh, I love I love motorbike. I love uh, you know MotoGP. I always have. Matter of fact, as a young lad when I was in Italy, I thought that uh, maybe that was going to be the more. When I was still dreaming about becoming a race driver, I felt that I might have to start in moto. You know, with motorcycles because it would have been, uh, you know, the, the probably the. Uh, the the easier, I don't know if it's I say easier probably, but the most practical way to get started. But uh, and I've always followed it, and uh, so when I had the opportunity, and uh, uh, you know, with uh, uh, to, to, to drive that, uh, I mean, to you know, for just a few laps, um, uh, good old Kenny Roberts, you know, my buddy, yeah. um, uh, he was the the team principal, you know, for uh, for Honda at that time, and. Uh, and uh, this was Eddie Lawson's uh, uh, bike of uh, the uh, year before. Anyway, um, I just uh, relished the opportunity, you know, to go out there, and and I only did like four laps, but uh, actually I had a fairly competitive time. Yes, and, uh, you did. <laughs> and I and I loved that. I I didn't have any leathers on either. The biggest problem was I had the. Uh, my helmet, the shield had the sun shield, you know, mm-hmm. and as you stoop down, I, I had a hell of a time, you know, adjusting my head. I could, you know what I mean? To, so I would have, I would have made a few changes here and there if I could have gone out again. But uh, nevertheless, I loved the opportunity. That was, um, uh, I was over the moon about uh, having uh, the chance to do that. Go to our next-to-last question from Tom Goolsby. He says, Mario, aside from that kiss from Mr. Granatelli, do you have any interesting or fun memories of Victory Lane celebrations from IndyCar or F1, wherever, that also stand out? I mean, granted, a kiss from Granatelli is pretty unique, but were there any other Victory Lane celebrations that you go, wow, that was pretty amazing? Well, you know, as long as no matter how many victories you think you have, it's never enough over the period of time. And uh, everyone uh, has that special flavor. Um, I remember clearly, um, Colin, I used to love 
the reactions that I used to get from Colin Chapman. You know, you've always uh, very serious, very controversial. Whenever, whenever we would win any victory, he would just go wild. You know, I loved that reaction out of the, the man who was always so totally controlled. You know, and um, and that meant to me just how much winning means to the entire team you know always told me and uh, and and again the biggest satisfaction i always used to get is from my mechanics mm. you know the mechanics and knowing they always felt you know what that's what we're working for and um, i know that uh, nobody realize i don't think many people realize how brutal the job of a racing mechanic is quite very honestly and uh, it's a true true labor of love and and when you win, the first thing that I would always think is the mechanics, you know, and watch their feeling and their satisfaction in their face was uh, the biggest uh, reward that you could possibly get. And uh, so I always kept that in mind, you know, whenever he crossed the finish line, I said, oh, you know, you had that feeling that, um, you know, you're not alone really enjoying this moment. Uh, that's the beauty about winning races. Anybody that uh, had a beautiful experience, you know, they know what I'm talking about. You know what I love, Mario? So there's only one trophy, right? The trophy might go to the driver, might go to the team. The thing I love seeing, especially today, we see it in Formula One happens frequently in IndyCar, is where you see the winner spray the champagne, pass that bottle on, to their mechanics or drop it down from the podium that's you know yep. they they are not going to get a trophy from that win but the fact that they get to drink from that i just always love seeing that because it just reminds me of the brotherhood to your exact point they're the yeah. ones who made this possible to then create this victory so big fan of that nobody nobody on this planet appreciated uh, the work of the mechanics more than i did uh, throughout my career um, you know, knowing, you know, that just because it's a pure, pure labor of love, you know, that that's as pure as it gets. Let's go to our last question, Mario. And I save this for last because it's talking about a crazy person that I think everybody has a, a love-hate relationship with. This comes from our pal Nick Vance. He says, Mario, I listened to a recent interview with Uncle Bobby, Bobby Unser, and he mentioned there were almost 30 years where the two of you did not speak. And he said the two of you finally spoke again a few years ago while he was in the hospital. Nick was curious about what inspired you to reach out and said he's glad to hear that things got patched up. Granted, he could have done something to piss you off since then, so we don't know if it's patched up, but just curious about that, Mario. Well, I think uh, Bobby purely overplayed that one because that that's it's not true. I, I, I said this so many times that, uh, yeah, I, I've never come to terms with that decision, and I never will, but I've never blamed Bobby or Roger Penske for protesting and trying to get their way. At the Indy 500. I've always, yep. always blame USAC for allowing outsiders, like, you know, Roger brought in outside lawyer, outside people to make, and then they, 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 uh, they allow them to come up with three outside judges, only one insider, which was uh, Charlie Brockman, I think, a, you know, a local radio personality, uh, who uh, was the only one that obviously abstained with a decision. 
And when the fact that they said, okay, he made that, okay, yeah, yes, he committed that infraction, which was punishable by one lap penalty, which was always done. It was given to Jerry Grant. It was given to Johnny Parsons Jr., you know, when they finished second. But because he crossed the finish line first, they they reinstated him as a winner, and they penalized him $40,000. And that's why... That's what the, the following year, Tom Binford, you know, I wish he was here to, to, to back me up. I, after the driver's meeting, I asked Tom, I said, Tom, are the rules different this year from last year? Mm. And he said, nope, nope. And I said, okay. I said, hypothetically, if I cross the finish line first after passing 11 cars under the yellow, is the fine still $40,000? And I still get the win. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, no. I said, okay, so the rule will the rule book will apply this year, but not last year. He said, well, Mario, I penalized him. You know, it's just that then from there it was out of my hands. So I'll repeat it. I've never forgave, forgiven USAC. I had no problem. I never had any problem with Bobby. <laughs> the only problem I had with Bobby is that uh, he, he still maintains that he didn't... <laughs> He didn't commit any infraction by passing 11 cars. <laughs> now, now, hold on, Mario. Are you suggesting Uncle Bobby might say things from time to time that aren't fully attached to the truth? That's craziness. <laughs> we have never heard that allegation before. <laughs> ah, but that, again, I'm kidding, obviously. We're talking about no, the Bobby 1981 we're, we're good. Indy 500. We're good. We're good. I mean, but, yeah. The, I, I, mean, know, I, I think he probably always felt guilty. That's why he thought that, he, that I was mad. But uh, I said it from day one that I never held it against. I held it against you, Zach. I, I couldn't repeat that often enough. The fun thing here, which I'll just share with our listeners. Well, first of all, Robin Miller has one of my favorite quotes ever talking about Uncle Bobby's autobiography, which whenever he's asked about it, Robin says one of the greatest works of fiction in the entire world's history of literature. So there, there's a little bit of creative <laughs> license taken there. And I also love the fact that whenever I have Uncle Bobby on the show and we talk about anything, I just start the clock, Mario on the emails and calls and texts that I get from the people he speaks about to say, all right, that thing was complete BS. Like, you know, the Gurney family, they have me on speed dial because whenever they see an Uncle Bobby interview go up, it's like, all right, I realize this is what he said and he has the right to say what he wants. Here's what really happened. So it's just one of those <laughs> things we accept. We love Uncle Bobby. The stories he tells, whether they are or are not, really truthful they the, at least they have us talking and laughing and man we, you know we need yeah. as much of that today as we can you bet well mario as always thank you sir for taking some time i know our fans just love being able to connect with you and i look forward to seeing you here very soon at an indycar race you bet we look forward to seeing you you bet thanks once again to mario for spending time in the office thanks to his awesome awesome publicist who takes great care of us whenever we need to find some time on his busy schedule and if this is your first time listening to our little podcast if you check out marshallpruittpodcast.com we have 750 plus episodes waiting for your listening hopeful enjoyment 
broken into a variety of the main categories that they would fall into. We also have a trusty little subscribe page where whether you are a Apple podcast person or Spotify or whatever, got the links to all those. So you can hopefully get up on all the silly bits that we do each week. going to try and knock out a couple of older podcasts that I've had sitting on my hard drive. Some of the live shows, the IndyCar rookie show we did at Monterey in September, final event for our rookies in that amazing class going to get that show posted here hopefully today or tomorrow uh some other stuff too sports cars open wheel all kinds of good stuff i think next week we're going to try and do a season preview indycar season preview special with our pal dear friend of mine lee diffie from nbc and so yeah i got a bunch of other stuff too uh catching up with episode with zach veach i've been sitting on for a little while and i th- i don't know man i there's more there's always more and i'm never able to get to it as quickly as i want but i'm trying i'm failing but i'm trying all that stuff aside Thank you once more for the the crazy bump in traffic that we are experiencing. Thank you for the great questions that power the guest show, the listener Q&A. And, you know, uh, I don't want to overstate the obvious, but being able to do these shows, it's a weekly highlight for me among everything that my wife and I are fighting through and having great results in and lots of positivity in all areas. It's still a pretty exhausting fight where we are getting to bed way too late and getting up exhausted and just doing all the stuff we need to do to get back to a normal life. And so in and among all of that, on a hashtag me personally front, being able to do these shows for you, well, they're also a bit for me too, because this is a, it's a highlight. Love talking with people, love talking about stuff. Love getting great questions to pose to people and hopefully providing a little bit of weekly entertainment. So it does absolutely center and fall back to y'all. So just wanted to say thank you because this stuff means a lot to me and I absolutely do not take you and the time you take to write questions or just send notes or amusing things, whatever it is, I do not take those things for granted. I can tell you without them, Uh, boy uh, our days would be a lot harder so thank you thank you thank you and i will look forward to speaking to you next week and want to say thank you as always to cooper tires the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com and bell racing helmets usa 